Welcome to His Church Owensboro Podcast. We are so excited about what God is doing in your life, and we would love to hear from you. Visit us at hischurch.cc and let us know about all of the things that God is doing in your life. If you have been blessed by this podcast and would consider supporting us financially, please visit hischurch.cc and click on Give to see the many options available. Thank you for joining us. We hope this message blesses you. Well, come on, let's give the Lord one more hand clap today. Can we do that? Come on, let's really give the Lord a hand. Come on, let's. Anybody glad God's in the house with us today? Anybody glad we're not alone? Anybody glad you've been saved, redeemed, filled with the Spirit, delivered? Man, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Why don't you turn to your neighbor, tell them this, say you're lucky you got to sit by me again today. Tell them that, huh? They're blessed. And uh, tell, tell the neighbor, the other neighbor, tell them you look like you've lost 10 pounds. Just 10 pounds. Don't, don't make it obvious you're flattering them, right? Um, but, but I'm pumped. It is, uh, it's back to church Sunday. Let's give all of our guests and people coming back from after the summer a big hand clap. Come on, we, we, lo- we love to have everybody back in the house. And uh, I'm ready to get life back to normal. Anybody ready to get life back to normal? Back to church, back to ball games, back to life. Uh, so I think we ought, to, we ought to start living now because Jesus died that we might have life and that we might have, hold, and possess it in absolute abundance. So we're going to walk into the life of God. Let's do this. Let's pray, and we're going to move right into the Word of God today, all right? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the people under the sound of my voice right now. I thank you that you've called us and you've brought us out of darkness and into marvelous light. I thank you that your hand is on our life and on our families, and the blessing of the Lord is with us, and it makes rich, and it adds no sorrow with it. Right now, we thank you for the richness of your house, the richness of your church, and that that richness might come and be deeply deposited into our families. In Jesus' mighty name, and the church said, amen. Amen. I I want to talk to you about the importance of church. Does anybody out there think that the church is worth praying for, fasting for, fighting for, standing for? Come on, how many of y'all believe the church really matters? Amen? I, I really believe that. And I believe that church should be the centerpiece of your life. It should be the centerpiece of your marriage, centerpiece of your kid's life and your family life. So you have this church component in your life and everything else and your relationship with Jesus, everything else is built around it. And every time when we're pulling into church on Sunday morning, it's a reminder to all of us that there's a God we answer to that loves us, cares for us, but also we have a responsibility. Every, every Wednesday night you come into the house of God, it's a reminder that we are not alone on this earth. You hear the word of God taught, the bread of life broken. It, it, it's, this, um, it, it's this refocusing every time we come to church. And whenever you get away from that, I believe you start to lose focus in what really matters. Church is a lot like the gym. Do, do you know what the toughest piece of equipment in a gym is? The toughest piece of equipment in a gym is the front door. Can I get an amen out there, right? Toughest piece of equipment, it's not squats, it's not, uh, it's not the bench press, it's none of that. It is the front door. And you can go to the gym for a while. I used to be a gym rat. It's been several years, you can tell by looking at me. But used to every night, I, I spent two hours in the gym working out. And I worked out with a bunch of power lifters, and we, we were all trying to get, you know, as big as silverback gorillas. And uh, 
I, I looked like a silverback gorilla back then. It really never was good looking, just big, right? But, but we would lift and go big. Now, Pastor Jordan right here on the front row played college ball. Did y'all know that? When he played college ball, he was 60 or 70 pounds heavier. And he was strong. He's a big kid. I met him when he was 18 years old. Played college ball. He was, he was a good athlete and a tough guy. And, but after he got out of playing college ball, he did something that a lot of guys won't do. He lost all that weight. Very disciplined. And he shed 60, 70 pounds, got back in shape, you know, and, and uh, thinner and running and stretching and stuff like that. And one night he came into the gym with a bunch of us guys that lifted heavy. And he came in, and they asked him how much he could bench. And he said, he said, I can bench 315, bench 315. He's got long arms. He's at, a, he's at a disadvantage. And so one of the guys there turned around and said, put it on the bar. All right. Now, we're, now the rubber's just met the road. Amen. Put it on the bar. And so they put it on the bar. And we go around and we're going we're gonna to pull it off for him. And, and we pull it off. He's like, I got this. It's no problem. That we, we pulled it off and that bar, I thought it already broke his spine. It concaved his chest. He couldn't handle the weight. Uh, he grunted and squealed. I thought it killed him. He cried like a little girl, but I prayed for his healing. And Jesus raised Pastor Jordan up. Amen. We got a healing Jesus. Amen. And, uh, yeah, but, but here's the deal. He couldn't do 315 anymore. Does that make sense? There was a time he could, but he couldn't anymore because he lost 60 pounds and he hadn't done that kind of working out. You know, there's a lot of people in the church like that right now. They used to be massive and strong in a certain way, but they've been removed from the gym. They've been removed from the church, and now they don't have the same spiritual strength they used to. And what God wants to do is get us, come on, our families, our marriages, our children, back into church and the things of God, back into life, back into service, back into the small groups, back into everything. When we get back there, we'll regain our strength. Turn to your neighbor and tell them you're going to be stronger than you've ever been before. Tell them that they're going to be strong stronger than they've ever been before. There, there's a scripture in Deuteronomy chapter 16, verse 16. I want to read it to you. And uh, 16, 16, it's talking about some of the feasts of Israel and how the Jewish people had to go up to the temple. Three times a year, every man was required to go up to the temple. And the temple in the Old Testament is like the modern day church, so to speak. It's the center of worship and the focus of God. And the Jews every year have seven feasts that they celebrate if you're an observant Jew to this day. And it would be a time they would come back up to the temple from all over Israel. They would take a pilgrimage to Jerusalem to, to see Jerusalem and to celebrate God. Here's, here's what the scripture says. It says this. It says, three times a year, all your males shall appear before the Lord, your God, in the place which he chooses. At the Feast of Unleavened Bread, at the Feast of Weeks, and at the Feast of Tabernacles. And they shall not appear before the Lord empty-handed. Every man shall give as he is able, according to the blessing of the Lord your God, which he has given you. So three times a year, at these three specific feasts, even though there were seven, every Jewish man had to go to Jerusalem. So they had to literally make a pilgrimage. And whenever they went, they had to take an offering with them. Let them not come empty-handed. You know, every time I come to church, I try to give something. Amen? 
I, I don't, I don't want to have a time go by that I don't give something. Whenever, whenever uh, the bucket's going by and we're worshiping the Lord with our giving, I want to be a giver. So these guys, as representatives of their family, the chapel got mad this morning at me, my nine-year-old. I was reading that scripture, and I said, it says every male must go up to the temple. She said, Dad, are you just talking about guys? What about us girls here? I said, chap, don't be a feminist on me. Let me explain this to you. Every, every male had to go up to the temple as the leader and representative of that family. And he showed up before God, right, to repent of the sins of the family as a leader of that family. He brought the offering before God as, as a representative of the financial life of that family. And I'll tell you what we need in America, again, is we need a group of men that will lead our families and be spiritual leaders and step up and be the man of God. Come on, come on. It's time we stop being overgrown teenagers. Amen? We play the man. Somebody give God a hand clap if you think we need real men. I'm talking real men again in the church. Amen? Guys with the word in their heart and hair on their backs. That's what we need in the church, right? And uh, so, so they would go up and they would, they would give three times. And, and it was this time of celebration, time of focus. It's a pilgrimage is what it is. They, they would have to travel across Israel. And as you traveled, it wasn't just right down the road. There was trouble when you traveled. As a matter of fact, the story of the Good Samaritan. He's been up to the temple, going up to the temple. He gets robbed on the road. These guys had to be inconvenienced to go to the house of God. Open up your Bibles to Psalm 84. I want to I show you a psalm that is all about pilgrimage to the house of God. Psalm 84, it's a beautiful psalm, and uh, it's talking about the people going to Israel, but I think we can apply it to us being put into the house of God today and coming to the house of God. Here's, here's what it says, Psalm 84, verse 1. If you're there, go ahead and say, uh-huh, out there, uh-huh. says this. How lovely is your tabernacle, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young. Even your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. Is anybody out there dwell in the house of God? Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They will still be praising you. Selah. Stop and think about it. Blessed is the man whose strength is in you, whose heart is set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a spring. The rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Selah. O God, behold our shield and look upon the face of your anointed. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those that walk uprightly. Come on, let's give God a hand clap for the house of God. Amen? Every good thing flows out of it. He's talking about how lovely the house of God is. First thing he says, talks about the church and says it is a beautiful place. We ought to see the church as a lovely place. See the church as a beautiful place. Come on, look on the positive side of the church and the people you go to church with. How many know you can find the negative if you look for it? Can I get an amen? How many of y'all can find the negative in yourself if you look for it? Amen? 
So yeah, everybody's got warts and everybody's got something, right? But if you look at that, that's all you'll see. You got to look at the beauty of the house of God. Man, we're a group of people that God has brought together out of darkness, and he's cleaning us up and growing us up and lifting us up and, and taking addiction and problems off of our life, but removing depression little by little, bit by bit, we're going higher. This is a lovely place. Come on, it's, it's lovely. See it that way. See, I think, I think um, we come from so many different places and so many different ideologies. God puts us together in the house of God, and it's amazing how I can be so different from another person, maybe culturally, maybe the way I think, a lot of different where I'm from, what I eat, what I look like, but we've got a connection in Jesus. Now, I've met people around the world, right, from Russia, Asia, Africa, you name it, where, wherever they're from. We, we didn't speak the same language. We didn't grow up the same way. But when we look at each other, we know we're brothers and sisters because this is a lovely place and God is doing something lovely among us. Amen? Uh, there, there's a guy over here in town. I talked about this a few weeks ago. But if you go over off of um, a, a road past Sansi, Hope Road, there's a guy out there and he's got a bunch of oddball animals. How many of have driven by that farm on the corner there, right? He's got like a zebu and a donkey and a, you know, I think he's got a naked mole rat out there and he's got a, oh, uh, I don't know what that is, but I think he's got one. I, I love he has a giraffe out there. Anybody seen his giraffe? I go by, I go by there like every day looking for that giraffe. I sit and talk to that giraffe. He's my therapist. I, I pull over there, you know, talk to him about my problems and stuff. But it, it's, I grew up in the cattle industry, all right? So if you're putting together a pen of cattle, you want all those, you want that pen to be uniform and everybody to look the same, right? Cattle need to match. My mother has a field behind her house, and if her cattle don't match in her back field, she's calling my brother and saying, why do they not all look uniform out there? Get that, get that red off of all, all of those black cattle or uh, those Charlais shouldn't be out there with those Angus. Let's get it straightened out. But I'll tell you, the body of Christ is not like that. Come on, God has put together Watusis, and God has put together oxes. Come on, God has put together chickens and peacocks and, and giraffes. Come on, how many of y'all are thankful we are not all the same, but it's lovely because we're connected in Jesus. Let's give God a hand clap. We are connected, even though we're different. Don't ever forget we're connected. It's a lovely thing. See the house as a beautiful place. If you begin to see the house for its problems, that will consume you and that will poison you. I've watched people focus on the negative in church. And I've watched it, watched it become toxic to their family and their kids. I'll never forget years ago we were starting our church in Owensboro, Kentucky. What's up, Owensboro? Y'all give Owensboro a big hand clap. I, I love you guys. And uh, we're starting the church there. And we had, we had a bunch of young people. We started preaching in a, in a pizza shop, and it was a heavy metal venue. And I would jump up and preach between heavy metal bands. And I, I would hop up, and I'd tell the kids, Jesus loves you. And they're like, we hate you. Die and go to hell. And I'm like, you can go to heaven if you repent, but I hate you too, right? That's the way I felt. Uh, rough bunch of kids. Some of them got saved, and now they're leading church positions around the world. God can do something, amen, with a rough group of kids. But I remember one of these kids came to me, and he says to me, he says, Pastor, God's given me a gift. I got a real gift. I mean, it, it's prophetic. I have insight a lot of people don't have. I'm like, wow, well, tell me. Well, tell me about the gift. He said, I can look at, at, at whatever we're doing, and I can identify the problem with what we're doing. And I'm like, you don't have a gift. 
You're a pessimist. That's what you are, right? You're not prophetic. You're pitiful. How many know anybody can find the problem? It takes an architect to fix it and build something. How many of y'all want to be builders instead of people that tear down? Focus on the positive instead of the negative. Amen? Come on, come on. Focus on, on what's going right instead of what's going wrong. And then we get the right spirit and we begin to climb, climb higher. Come on, give God a hand clap for this lovely place. It's a lovely place. He goes on, he says this. He says, my soul longs, verse 2. Yeah, it even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. I remember I got saved right here. My life got transformed on the front row. I mean, I got prophesied too, and man, God did so much in my life in this altar. I used to come in here when I was a kid going to college. Before anybody would come in the building in the morning, 6 in the morning, back in uh, 2000, 98, come in here and pray. God ministered to me here so big. And I could not wait to get to church. Couldn't wait to get in here. Because whenever they would start playing worship, whenever they would hit the, the first note on, on the instruments and they would start singing, uh, you know, I'd lived a real messed up life. And, and my mind needed renewing and I needed cleansed and I needed turned around. And whenever they would start to worship, it was like I was taking a bath in the spirit. I was getting clean. Then when the word of God was being taught, I could feel my faith building. I could tell that God was going to take me somewhere and do something. Wasn't just going to lead me to drift in life. And I love the church so much whenever I would have to travel. I remember driving down the road from here to Kentucky where I lived. I would see churches on the side of the road. And I would long to go into the church. I wonder what's happening there. Is there a revival in there? I wonder if God's moving in there, right? I wanted to get in there. I was hungry for the things of God. That's what the psalmist is saying right here. He's hungry. He's hungry. For the house of God. Man, if we could have a holy hunger hit his church. If we could have a, a holy hunger hit our teenagers in the back. Come on, a, a holy hunger for the things of God. Instead of the next thing the world's pushing out. How strong would it be if we had a holy hunger in the college campuses uh, around here? I mean, I mean, a holy hunger. It, it's, it's powerful. And uh, I, I think that th this world has a way of filling us with things that don't matter. And we get filled with junk and then we don't want to eat the real deal. My, my little girl, Chapel 9, she's in this stage where she doesn't hardly eat anything at the meal. Right? You'll get her a great meal. You take her out to eat or something, and you bought her a, a meal. You try to make them eat off the kid's meal. I try to make Jesse eat off the kid's menu too, right? So I can, I can do that. Uh, but um, so Chapel will order something, and then she'll take like three bites. And you're looking at her, and you're like, honey, you got to eat, you got to eat, you got to eat. And then you find out later that Chapel has like 16 candy stashes in the house, right? She's got candy everywhere like a pack rat. It's like, here's Sour Patch Kids, here's Hot Tamales. Where does she, she's got a dealer somewhere. I don't know where she gets this stuff. She's got a connection. She, she's got a guy, right, that gets her her candy. I think it's our kids' ministry back there, you know, where we're saving souls and rotten teeth every Sunday right here at his church, amen? That's what we're doing. So, so why is she not eating her meal? Because she got filled up on the wrong kind of stuff. See, if we'll, if we'll resist the things of the world, there'll be a new hunger that grows for righteousness and the house of God, the word of God, the things of the spirit. How many of y'all want to be filled with the right things instead of the wrong things? Because even the wrong things can taste real good when you're eating them. But afterwards, there's a sorrow to the soul. Take a funnel cake at the fair, for instance. Amen? How many of y'all have ever eaten a full funnel cake? Got any gluttonous friends out there with me? 
Y'all are my people. Come on, y'all give them a hand clap, right? That funnel cake tastes good going down. Once you've eaten that thing, how many know the whole thing, you've made a big mistake, right? Strategic error, amen? Look back down at this text, verse 3. I love this. It says, even, even the sparrow has found a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young. Even your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They shall still be praising you. Talks about the sparrow. Talks about uh, the birds of the field. And he says they found a place to lay their young. I'll tell you where we ought to lay our young. We ought to lay our young in the house of the living God. This is where we ought to place our young people. Tell you, But being in the house of God, the atmosphere changes everything. This is the atmosphere of the anointing. More is called in here than is taught to kids. Because my kids, they're church kids. They've sat in a million services. They might be running around in the back like, you know, goofing off. But just being in the atmosphere of the house of God, it changes them. You catch something whenever you're around that anointing. Now, I've watched it in my kids' life. I was riding a few years ago. My daughter's in the back. I was listening to Tom Petty because I'm kind of, a, kind of a rocker. You know, I like rocker, rocker music and outlaw country music is what I am. People are like, what worship band do you like? And I'm like, Waylon Jennings is the worship band I like. And um, the religious people get mad about that. But come on, Waylon's awesome. What can I say? And um, Chapel's in the back. Tom Pe Petty is on the radio. And Petty's singing Free Fallin'. Tom Petty was good, right? Chapel's in the back. Petty's singing Free Fallin'. Chapel looks up and says, hey, Dad, if that guy keeps falling like that, He's going to die soon. Real eerie. I'm like the prophet of death in the back seat here. What's up with that? Next day I get in the car, turn on the radio. Legendary rocker Tom Petty dies of heart attack. Where did she get? She's, she's hearing in the spirit. What a coincidence. Where, where, where does she get that? We laid our, our young at the altar in the house of God. Amen. Now our kids are different than the world's kids. How many of y'all were raised in church? Let me see your hands out there, right? I'll tell you what, I was raised in church. And my church was so boring. Like you would try to fake a case of the Ebola not to go to church. I got the Ebola this morning, Mom. I, I'll tell you, it's, 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 I'm already, you know, I think, uh, what's it called? I'm stiffening up. I'm already in the last stages of the death process. Uh, anything to not go. And that, that church, our church felt like a funeral home. You'd walk in, it felt like a 100-year-old woman decorated it, and God bless all you 100-year-old women. Jesus has a purpose and plan in your life. And, and all, you'd walk in, I'd be like, where's the, where's the body, right? Feel, feels just like a funeral home. And it was very hard for a young man to connect to that as a young male, right? Like, like very feminine. The church was very feminine. And I'm thankful for the ladies that have kept the church going for 2,000 years because if it weren't for the ladies, we wouldn't have a church. Come on, let's give all the ladies a hand clap out there. Y'all make the church work. But, but there's got to be a balance so guys can come in and stay in the house too. And uh, I, I remember coming into, coming into the church, and, and I didn't even like church, but something was happening to me being in the atmosphere. Now, I got away when I got older and walked away from the church and was a wild man and all that. And I'd be out partying with my friends. And some of them, it was like it didn't bother them. And I, I'm partying and we're drinking, doing drugs, doing whatever we're doing. And uh, I'm looking around there having fun. Late at night, they, they'd look at me and I'd be like, yeah, we're all going to hell. I just, I just know we're all going to hell. I knew it because there was a God consciousness, right, somewhere from being in the house of God. They'd be having fun. I'd be like, I, you're going to hell. If I'm going to hell, I know you're going to hell, right? 
We, we are all going. If Jesus comes back, we are so fried. We are, we are going straight in that lake of fire. The beast, the seven heads, all of that's going to eat us. We are, we are going to hell, right? I, I was like that. Why was I like that? Because I'd heard the word of God. And I knew the truth of the word of God. I'm telling you, here's what I pray for our kids. Our kids are not going to be perfect. That They're going to make mistakes. Even pastor's kids are going to make mistakes. Don't, don't think our children are pastors. They're not. They're kids. They're going to do stuff. Amen? My kids are like your kids. They're growing up. They're learning. And uh, so, so it's, it's, it's powerful. that The kids in the house of God, they're, they're in the atmosphere of the anointing. It, it's changing them. But I believe this about our kids. When our kids do dumb stuff, they're going to get caught because the Spirit of God is going to protect them and their life is going to get redirected. Our kids are going to be laid on the altar. There's a lot of kids laid on travel ball. Come on, somebody. A lot of kids laid on the Internet. Or a lot of kids laid here. Let's lay our kids in the house of God. Some people are like, I'm going to give my kids the opportunity to choose, to choose if they're coming to church or not. Come on, do you give your kids an opportunity to choose if they're going to brush their teeth or not? Live in my house, you go to church. Amen. If not, you can live outside, out there. And you don't have to go to church, but you'll live outside. See, it's, it's setting up the priority, laying our young on the altars. It says this, it says, blessed are those, verse 4, who dwell in your house. Come on, you Sunday morning people, you dwell in the house of God. Turn to your neighbor, tell them you already won because you're here. Tell them that. They, they won because they're here this morning, right in the house of God. See, you've already come on a pilgrimage. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. The devil does everything he can to keep you out of church. This morning, most mornings you would get up without a vent, come to church without a fight. This morning, you and your spouse shall fought like crackheads in the yard on an episode of Cops before you came to church today. Why is that? It's because the devil's trying to keep you out of church. Right? I remember having little kids. You get them ready for church. One of them vomits on themselves. And another one, like, like rubs Nutella in their hair. And, and then nobody has shoes. What happens to the children's shoes? And the socks are always, they get raptured like once a week. You're getting ready. Everything's gone. Moms are, are, they're sweating like me. Their spiritual gift is sweating by the time they get to church. But I'm telling you, all the sacrifice, all of the pushing, all of the planning, all of the getting up and getting to the house of God, it's all going to be worth it because blessed are those who dwell in your house. When you're here, there's a blessing attached to it. Just coming into the room is a faith action. The blessing comes on you. These people got blessed in the Old Testament just by going up to, to Mount Moriah where the temple was. Whenever we come into the house, there's a, there's a blessing. So what the devil's tried to do is try to drive people out of the church over the last couple years. And it's worked. And there's a lot of people who used to come all the time. Now they don't darken the doors of the church. The stats show it that like during, during all the lockdowns, one out of three Christians did not attend a service or watch a service online at all. Think about the damage that does spiritually. See, see, it's a plan of the enemy to separate us from the house of God. Why? The enemy does not want the blessing to come upon you. But God has designed you to carry that blessing. He says this, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They shall still be praising you. Something about being attached to the house of God keeps a spirit of praise on your life. They shall still be praising you. And it's funny how you can watch people as a pastor. We live in a fallen world. How many of y'all have recognized now this world is a crash site? 
There are problems here, amen? And um, I'm ready for Jesus to come back tomorrow. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. I, there's nothing in this world I need anymore. I've seen it all. I've been, I mean, I love life and I love the world, but I'm ready to see Jesus face to face and to, to be in eternity, the kingdom to come. I'm, I'll come tomorrow, amen? Come now. Come, come quickly, Lord Jesus. So, But there, there's something about people. You can watch in this fallen world, people will go through a similar situation. Two different families, similar situation. One family gets knocked out of the saddle, never gets back in it. The other family goes through something horrific, and they rise above it, right? God restores them. They survive the tragedy. Maybe rough, maybe rocky, but they get through it. And then in six months, nine months, a year, God's restoring and changing them. Two people, they go through a similar situation. One person walks away from God and never comes back. The other one gets stronger, becomes a mentor, begins ministering to other people through the situation they went through. What happens there? I think a lot of it's this. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They shall still be praising you. Come on. We're not going to lose our praise. We're going to stay connected to the house. Come on. We're going to stay connected to the house. I said we're going to stay connected to the house. I'm going to stay connected to the house of the living God. You know, I'll skip down. Let me, let me say this. It says, if a person passes through the valley of Baca, says it right there in the psalm. You know what the valley of Baca is? Baca is a Hebrew word for weeping. Though they pass through the valley of weeping, says they make it a spring. Right? Even though they're walking through the toughest time in their life, their connection to God and worship and the house of God, even though it's the toughest time, they're literally walking through the valley of weeping. That person makes it a spring. For other people, it's killing them, it's taking them out. But for these people, it's lifting them up and watering them. Because even though it's the valley of Baca and things are rough, there's a water from the Spirit. Uh, even though in the valley of weeping, those, those tears are becoming a spring for them. Their heart and their spirit's connected to God. I tell you, whenever you dwell in the house, you keep praising Him. And the tough things get turned around. And they become a spring. Amen. Would you stand up on your feet with me? I, I want to pray for you. Come on, let's stand up and give God a hand clap for the blessing. Come on, the blessing. The blessing. Come on, let's give God a hand clap for the blessing. How many, how many are thankful for the blessing? Come on, come on, come on. Let's really give him a hand for the, ble the blessing of being connected to the house of God. All the good stuff I have in my life, it came from the house. I got my wife in the house, kids in the house, man, friends in the house, mentored in the house. All, all of the guys that spoke into my life, great, great men. Women, I met them in the house of God. So powerful that we're here. I want to pray for you. Why don't you lift a hand to heaven if you're comfortable with it. I want to pray a blessing over you. Father, I thank you for the blessing of the house of God. I thank you that we can come up to the house of God. We won't come up empty-handed, just like, just like that scripture says. Lord, we declare our hearts are set on pilgrimage. Our hearts are set on pilgrimage to the house of God. We're making, a, we're making a, a, a covenant that we're going to be people of the house of God. Our family are going to, going to grow up in the house. Now, thank you that we're going to dwell, literally take up our abode in your house. We'll make it a centerpiece of our life. 
When we do it, your oracles, your words, your spirit, your joy, your peace, will flood into every area of us. So, Lord, right now, I thank you that you do that. My brother's, my sister's life. I thank you that you catch for us the little foxes that spoil the vine, that stop the work of God. We come against everything that, that would do that in our lives. Lord, let us, let us rise higher. Even though we're passing through Baca, I declare God is now making it a spring. He's making it a spring. He's making it a spring. Lord, Lord I thank you. I, I, I thank you there's, there's many new chapters. I just keep hearing that new chapters, new chapters, new chapters. Some of you feel like you've been caught in a chapter. It's been like Groundhog Day. You wake up, it's the same thing every day. It's like that Bill Murray show. And it's like, how do I get out of this chapter? How do I get out of this trap? The Spirit of God brought you here to tell you that he's going to open the door. You're going to walk out of that trap. Jesus is the Jesus that opens doors. No man can shut. And he shuts doors that no man can open. This chapter is ending and you're walking into a beautiful chapter penned by the hand of God. And it'll be, it'll be my story. It'll be my song. It'll be my words etched upon your heart, says the Lord. You'll walk into a new chapter and you'll walk with great strength and victory. And as you focus on me, a spirit of praise will fill your mouth and fill your heart. You're going to be blessed abundantly. I declare new chapters in Jesus' mighty, mighty name. Come on, let's give God a hand clap. New chapters.